Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear friends and fellow disciples of Christ, you would have to completely avoid all news and conversation to escape the discussion of sports and athletes this month. First, you have today's big event, the the Super Bowl, Um, but then much of the rest of the month will be occupied by the Winter Olympics in South Korea. Watch any of those events on television, and you will hear plenty about things like athleticism and training. Almost taken for granted, especially with football, will be that each athlete has strength. It would be hard to advance to the biggest stages in sports without it. But there are different kinds of strength, and there are different ways, ways in which brute strength can actually get in the way of good performance. I'm often amazed at how a professional football team's defense, how often, when they are typically the most powerful part of the team, how often they get gassed by the fourth quarter of a game, even at the end of the season. Not that I would do any better, but I just kind of assume that they have been training for that kind of endurance all year. But weight rooms don't build stamina as much as muscle. And if you consider the physique of, say, an Olympic speed skater, you won't find bulging biceps, even though he is very strong in his way. That's because big muscles can interfere with the elasticity and flexibility that are needed for that sport. Speed skating values endurance and energy over power. In a similar way, When we talk about spiritual strength, we need to understand that there are different kinds of strength, different purposes, and ways in which supposed strengths can even turn into liabilities. Even more important for the Christian life is strength for the long haul, endurance and energy so that we can keep going and accomplish all the things that God has set before us in our various callings. If we are going to be steadfast, firm, and unwavering in our faith and in our stewardship of all the things that we have been given, we cannot be weak or tire easily. We need strength for our mission. Our gospel today, Mark 1, 29-39, teaches us much about this. Listen as we read it again and learn about strength for Christ's mission. They left the synagogue and went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed, sick with a fever. Without delay, they told Jesus about her. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her. And she began to serve them. That evening, when the sun had set, the people kept bringing to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. He healed many people who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. 
But he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Jesus got up early in the morning while it was still dark and went out. He withdrew to a solitary place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let's go somewhere else to the neighboring villages so that I can preach there too. In fact, that is why I have come. Then he went throughout the whole region of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Okay, so where in this account do we see strength or weakness? Neither word is explicitly used, but we can identify weakness in Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Fever doesn't just make you hot. It completely drains you of, of strength and energy. And among the other sick people who came to Jesus for healing, well, undoubtedly there was weakness there as well. Strength, well, we see that in Jesus. Although, since we're so used to the accounts of his preaching, teaching, and healing, that we might be inclined to just sort of take it for granted and, and not pay attention to it. But, but let's pay attention to it today. Jesus had things he came to earth to do. And as the Son of God, he had power to do them. And what naturally jumps out at us most is his divine and supernatural power to heal the sick with a word or a touch and to cast demons out of the possessed. He used this strength freely and frequently. The only restrictions on it were the ones he himself placed on it, and of course those of, of time and place. He simply did not have the opportunity to do all the miracles of healing and exorcism that the sick and demon-possessed of his world might have desired. But even though Jesus healed many, many people during his ministry, this exercise of his divine power was not a primary purpose of that ministry. His miracles served to emphasize his identity and confirm his message, to show that he was indeed the Son of God and that, therefore, what he had to say should be believed. Yet every healing touch and every freeing, demon-dispossessing word showed another strength that we too often overlook, something which actually sometimes people consider a weakness when they see it in others. Compassion. While we don't see that particular word in this passage, we do see it frequently in the Gospels describing Jesus, and it is certainly on display here. Jesus goes to Simon's mother-in-law as soon as he's told she's sick, takes her by the hand and heals her. That's compassion. The whole town of Capernaum comes to their door as soon as the Sabbath is over. And though Jesus surely would have appreciated getting some sleep or, or teaching his new disciple, he takes all the time that's necessary to heal their sick and drive out their demons. That's compassion. Even his plan to go to other villages so shows the, the strength of his heart for sinners. 
he wouldn't be satisfied just doing his work and sharing his gospel in one place, waiting for people to come to him. No. Instead, like a shepherd seeking his lost sheep, he went to them, trying to reach as many as possible in the short time that he had on earth. Another type of strength that we see in this account that might not be immediately recognized, we can call strategic strength. There was nothing weak about Christ's will. And whatever he set out to do, he did with a plan to fulfill that will. We see this not only in the way he he maps out his ministry, but also in his silencing of the demons when he drives them out. He did not allow them to speak. The time, you see, was not yet right for the direct declaration of his identity as the Son of God. And even if it were, the last endorsement he wanted for his ministry was that of demons. So he made sure that he exercised his authority to mute them when he cast them out. Their testimony was not part of the plan. Yet there was something that was part of the plan that that sometimes surprises us. All the strength that Jesus used and displayed here was, was certainly his by right as the Son of God. But as a man like you and me, which Jesus was, he had both physical and spiritual needs. Or he would that needed to be fulfilled, or, or else he would be too weak for the work that occupied him and the world-saving mission he had come for. So what do we see here? Well, first, as our, this account begins, Jesus and his first disciples had just left the synagogue, which means that he and they were there being nourished, fed, guided by the Word of God there. That was his weekly habit. Even Christ needed to go to church regularly in order to strengthen his heart and his soul. But most striking and instructive for us, perhaps, is how Jesus here withdraws to a solitary place early in the morning. So he's not disturbed in order to pray. This was his time, his special time, to talk to his heavenly Father and ask for whatever he humanly needed. Energy, direction, courage, power, endurance, compassion, steadfastness. He couldn't do this with people crowding around him, or while answering the demands of his busy ministry, or or the questions of his curious disciples. He had to spend time alone with his Father, sharing his specific needs and weaknesses so that they could be specifically filled. Christ's strength for his mission was fueled and focused by solitary prayer. And when his disciples came searching for him, apparently thinking that the greater need at that point was for Jesus to be spending his time satisfying 
everyone who was looking for him back in Capernaum after his night of healing, well, then Jesus states clearly what he is stewarding his strength for. says what his mission is. Preaching his message is why I have come. Every one of his powers and all of his patience and perseverance are put to work in order to advance the kingdom of God. And we know already from what Mark told us earlier in this chapter what that means. Jesus preached from the very beginning a message of law and gospel. He told everyone that they needed to repent of their sins and believe the good news of salvation by grace through faith in God's promises. Yes, he also defended the borders of the kingdom by driving away its enemies, but his main purpose was always this message. Repent, believe, and be saved. And he states it clearly here, contrary to those today who wish to have a Jesus who is all, perhaps only, about social progress, economic justice, or just general be-nice philosophies. And it is this message that brings us together here. This message that you and I have heard and believed. This message that deals with our sins honestly and eternally. This message that conveys to us the grace of our merciful and loving God. This message that brings us salvation and shows us our place in His heavenly kingdom. We do not come to Christ bearing good works and fine intentions, showing how much we deserve His consideration and a seat beside Him in paradise, because we know we cannot. We are conceived and born in sin. And every day we spend more time thinking, speaking, and acting contrary to God's will than we, do, than we spend keeping His commands. We have nothing to offer the Lord to merit His favor, but we do have Christ's merit to offer as a sign of God's favor. Jesus came not only to tell us of our salvation, but to work that salvation. He took our place in suffering and death in order to take the punishment we and all sinners deserve for our wickedness and rebellion. He was crucified and died and was buried in order to save us from our sins and defeat death, the devil, and all his demons. And he did. His resurrection from the dead proved it beyond a doubt. He won for us. He fulfilled his mission to save sinners. And before he ascended into heaven, he entrusted his mission to his church. He said, go and preach the gospel to all the world. He said, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything which I have commanded you. And since we all are each members of Christ's church, His mission is our mission. 
both as a congregation and as individuals. But he does not demand or expect that we fulfill his mission in our own strength. We are not divine. We are mortal human beings, still saddled with a sinful nature and corrupted in our flesh. We could never even attempt to do all that he has given us to do on our own. But when we do as he did, and rely on what and whom he relied on, we will have all the strength we need, physical and spiritual, have compassion, endurance, flexibility, energy, and more. We can follow the Apostle Paul's example in that. We read in our lesson today from 1 Corinthians 9 how how he devoted everything he had and was to the preaching of the gospel so that by all means as many as possible might be saved. And he found the power to do that from the very same gospel that he preached. That's the way it works. And that's the way it will always work for us when we trust the Lord to provide the strength needed to carry out the mission he has given us. We are fed and guided by the word of God. We pray for what we need, and he gives us whatever is necessary in answer to our prayers. We steward our strength by acquiring it from the means of grace and by spending it in God's service. This is how Jesus remained steadfast in carrying out his saving work. This is how Paul remained steadfast in his service as an apostle. And it is how you and I become and remain steadfast in our mission as Christ's church and in every one of our various callings as his people. And today, let's pay special attention to Christ's early morning example. If the Son of God made flesh needed to pray for strength, prioritize that over so many other urgent, important things, then how much more do we merely human sons and daughters of God need to do the same? It is good stewardship of both our faith and our mission to devote ourselves to solitary prayer as he did. What Jesus did for his mission, we also do. Solitary prayer fuels us and focuses us. We trust as he did in God's divine power, even praying for healing of the sick and the defeat of the devil. We preach the same message of repentance and faith in God's grace and the promises in Christ. And we show the same compassion He did to those who who bear the pain and suffering of sin in their bodies and their lives, who are broken and hurt by disease, the devil's schemes, by others' evil and their own errors. Whatever it is, we have the strength for it because God provides that strength freely, graciously, generously, just as Jesus restored the strength of Simon's mother-in-law. It is, after all, his mission that we are carrying out. A few moments ago we sang, You did not spare your only son, 
that gave him for a world undone. And freely with that blessed one you give us all. We have your spirit every hour, the Lord of life and love and power. He will his sevenfold graces shower upon us all. We have the strength that we need, but we have it to use, to spend in service to God, in service to his people and his church, in service to our neighbor who needs us, especially to spend this strength he gives us in service to all who need the gospel, which is the only means that anyone can gain salvation and enter heaven. This, this is our prayer. This is our purpose. This is our mission. This is our desire. We want to be steadfast stewards of strength. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.